Welcome back to Brojo Online. Today we're going to be talking about jealousy, specifically what's called retroactive jealousy, which is jealousy about someone's past or jealousy about someone's sexual past. I had a lot of hits on YouTube about a couple of videos I did on jealousy and sexual jealousy, so I thought I'd dive in and go deep on some of the details to help you with your relationships. This is Brojo Online. Masculinity, confidence, and integrity with Dan Munro. So what is jealousy? Jealousy is both a feeling and an entire belief system. We often talk about feeling jealous, but it's much more complicated than just a raw emotion. It's a mixture of paranoia and suspicion. It's possessiveness. It's anger, fear, worry, a sense of being threatened. It's a really complex mix of quite painful emotions. And underneath this is an entire belief system driving these emotions, a reasoning as to why we feel this way, a narrative that explains the need to possess and control and the feeling of being threatened. Now, people generally fall into a couple of categories, in my experience from coaching. They're either generally jealous, which means they're always kind of possessive and worried and jealous about their partners, their friends, their possessions, everything. Everything's got a sense of threat of being taken away from them, and there's always a paranoia and a suspicion about that. And other people, it's more specific and The reason they get in touch with me is because everything had been fine until this one person that they're with and all of a sudden something happens or a person's just more meaningful to them than anybody else before and all of a sudden they've become jealous. Great example recently, a guy I know who'd been fine in his marriage for many years found out after a long time that his wife's sexual history was much more, shall we say, experimental and varied than he previously thought. And for the first time in his entire life, he became consumed with retroactive jealousy. He'd never felt that way before about any partner. But this shocking new information about his wife, whom he thought he knew so well, and whom he thought had a much less uh, experienced history than him, was suddenly basically a porn star. So the shock of that set off a jealousy that he didn't know he had. Now, sexual jealousy is a part of the overall jealousy piece of the pie, and it's very specific, often to experience or insecurity or both. So you might be jealous about the experience they've had. You might have a lot of compulsive, obsessive thoughts and feelings about their history sexually, whether it was more than yours, whether you find it offensive And quite often that's kind of ironic, like they've done exactly what you've done, but it's wrong for them to do it and it's okay for you to do it. And this often ties into insecurities about yourself. You think you don't stack up to that history, that you cannot provide the pleasure that their previous partners could. And this kind of sense of threat specifically around sexuality. Regardless of what type of jealousy we're talking about, it immediately leads to two types of behaviors, controlling behaviors and fretting behaviors. Now, controlling behaviors are where you actively try to reduce the risk that you see associated with your jealousy. You try to limit the contact they have with people who you find threatening. 
You create rules and demands around the relationship. You demand access to information so that you can keep an eye on everything. Constantly getting into fights and arguments over perceived potential disloyalty and so on. And you're very defensive. You're constantly looking to control the situation to reduce the risk. And or you do fretting behaviours. A lot of imagining past or future scenarios, living them in your head, making yourself miserable with them. If it's retroactive sexual jealousy, you'll be imagining all the good times they had with other men or women in the past and how much better it was for them than their experiences with you and you can't stop imagining it in vivid detail. Or you worry about future scenarios, possibilities of cheating or just being dissatisfied with you as a partner. And you're constantly waiting anxiously for validation and reassurance. You know, if they take a long time to text back, you start panicking. And if they seem a little grumpy or disjointed, you immediately become concerned that somehow there's a threat there. You're constantly worrying about the fragility of the relationship. And you start to even worry about your own psyche. A lot of people who get in touch with me about this issue have become worried about their own sanity. They've become so obsessed with this issue that it's driving them crazy and they hate that because they've never been this way before. And they're worrying that in some small way they're actually losing their minds. So that's essentially the gist of what jealousy is. A mixture of controlling and fretting behaviours caused by feelings of paranoia, suspicion, threat, anger, fear, concern and coming from a belief system that we're going to explore. So now let's start talking about why this happens. What is the cause of this jealousy? Why do some people have it and other people don't? Well, ultimately, the best way to frame jealousy so that you can explore it for yourself and understand it better is to see it as a reaction to feeling threatened. Basically, this is almost like a fight-or-flight response, or at least sometimes it's like that where you feel that something is threatening what you think you have. Something is threatening to take it away. And that's the feeling that you're getting. So what I think most people do is they they have a narrative in their head about the surface level of this threat. For example, she's going to leave me for a guy who's better in bed. They think that her sexual desire... And your lack of performance is the immediate threat. And so you're reacting to that. You're looking through her phone to see if there's texts from any other guys. Or you're trying to do better in bed and consciously anxious that you're not pleasing her. You constantly react to that narrative in your head. She's going to leave me for a guy. So whatever it is that you have, I want you to just get in touch with that right now as a starting place. What is the story in your head that threatens you? What is it that you are jealous about? What are you worried is going to happen? What is the end result of you kind of losing this war? Get that in your head because that's just the starting position. That's what you think the problem is. You'll notice almost immediately that you resist counter evidence to this problem. Now, I'll just stop and check in for a second here because a very small few of you listening will be what I call legitimately jealous. 
which is you're feeling jealousy because there is an actual threat right in front of you that needs to be dealt with. Somebody is screwing with your relationship or you're seeing very real signs that your partner is no longer interested in you. But I want to emphasize that for most of you, this is not the case. Most people who suffer with obsessive compulsive jealousy, with retroactive jealousy, are actually not under any immediate threat. There is no cheating or disloyalty taking place. There's no plan on the partner's side for ending the relationship, at least not in the very short term. You're kind of imagining a threat that doesn't exist, especially if you just feel threatened by their past, which isn't even a thing. Now, if you feel threatened because she's out all night, multiple days per week, and she keeps lying about why she's doing it, and there's, you know, guys calling her and she sneaks away to take the call, yeah, that's something that's probably real. But most of the time, when people come to me with jealousy issues and I explore it with them, there's no real evidence of a threat. There's just imagined evidence, or just imagined potential evidence, which is even worse. And what you'll notice is if you're believing this kind of surface level narrative in your head without evidence, is that you'll resist against counter evidence. Nearly every guy who's emailed me saying, you know, they're worried about their girl's past, has also, with a bit of exploration, found that their girlfriend has constantly reassured them that she is satisfied, that it's the best she's ever had because the connection is the deepest she's ever had, and that kind of thing. She's regularly and frequently given feedback as counter-evidence to what you're afraid of, and yet you'll notice that that makes no difference. No matter how much proof you get that there is no risk, you just don't believe it. And that shows you how irrational this jealousy is. This isn't based on a rational assessment of the facts, because facts make no difference. You're unaffected by them. And that's how you know you've got what we might call irrational jealousy. You're feeling it, and there's no real reason to feel it. You're imagining the reasons. As opposed to the small few of you who are listening right now, because you are actively being cheated on, or you're being screwed over by a business partner, or something real is happening, and you're having these feelings because of actual evidence. But this podcast episode is really more for the people who are imagining it. Not to say it won't become real, and we'll talk about actually how you are going to create that problem. But the people who are feeling jealousy because they're being fucked over, uh, they should be taking a completely different path of action. Essentially, they should be ending whatever their partnership is. But we're not going to go into it today. Today we're really looking at the people who are possibly sabotaging their relationships because of irrational jealousy rather than uh, people who are being cheated on. So if you're resistant to real evidence or you're at least failing to acknowledge that there's no evidence to support your fears and concerns, then the threat is something deeper than that narrative in your head. If there's no facts to back up your story, then the story must be a lie and it must be covering up something else. And that's the first thing, the first kind of clue to dealing with this is to understand if you get stuck in that narrative and you believe that that narrative is the beginning and the end of the whole story, then you're never going to be able to deal with this because you're trying to solve something that isn't true. So if you believe she's going to leave you for someone who's better, yet there is no evidence that she's going to do that, 
then you're never going to be able to solve it by trying to stop her leaving for someone better because that's not actually a problem that's occurring. Yet you still feel threatened. You feel threatened even though there's no evidence, so the threatened feeling must be caused by something else. It's not being caused by evidence. Right? And and I've got to distinguish here that you thinking you see evidence is not the same as evidence. So if she gets a text and she reads it and doesn't tell you what's in it, that doesn't mean it's a bad text. Okay? Here's a problem that jealous guys get into is they start becoming very paranoid and suspicious, and then that actually makes their partner want to hide things, which, of course, causes more paranoia and suspicion, and you get yourself into a loop, which we'll discuss soon, that actually causes cheating. So understand that if you're someone who it's impossible to be honest with because you just throw a big paranoid fit every time, then yeah, they're going to hide things from you, but that doesn't make it evidence. All it's evidence of is they don't feel safe sharing. And you've got to see that for what it is. If you've created an environment where it is scary or a hassle or emotional to share honest things with you because you just get so jealous, then maybe that's why they're hiding things. It's not actually evidence that they're doing something bad. I mean, let's look at some of the behaviors that you're likely to go through when you have these emotions that actually create the problem, that this thing kind of feeds itself. The more you act jealous, the more jealous you'll feel, and you'll kind of build on it like that. So paranoia and suspicion is probably what causes some of the worst behaviors, and that's where you're just constantly scanning for evidence of a threat. You're on high alert, amber alert, all the time. You're anticipating the threat, and you kind of got this hope that you might be able to prevent it. The more you worry about it, the less likely it is to slip through your defensives. You know, one guy I was, I was working with, what he did is got, he kind of hacked into his girlfriend's Facebook and then went through her entire lifetime history of messages to get a sense of her previous relationships with guys. I mean, that's the kind of behavior that people can get into when they get really jealous And so that's the paranoia and the scanning. He was looking for proof of something he already believed. Now notice that he already believed it, now he's looking for proof rather than seeing proof and then coming to a belief. That shows the irrationality. So if you're scanning for something because you haven't seen anything yet, you're scanning for evidence because you need to back up your belief, then obviously you can see how irrational that is. If something's true, you won't need to scan. The evidence will be apparent. This often leads to possessiveness. So this type of behavior is, it comes from a belief that you feel the person belongs to you. You say, it's my girlfriend, my boyfriend, it's my car. And that this is fragile. You you know that you own the thing, but you're not convinced that you own it outright. You believe that something will take it away. This is where a lot of men, for example, believe in a type of jealousy we'll call hypergamy. And it's this idea that women are constantly seeking to trade up. They're always on the lookout for the, the next best model. You know, the guy who's better looking, better social status, more money, very uh, materialistic things. So like a lot of the red pill type guys that I've engaged with have a strong belief in hypergamy. They think basically a woman is only as loyal as her options. 
Despite huge counter evidence that they would have seen throughout their entire lives of women remaining loyal to a man even when offered a better deal, they still believe that ultimately they're constantly at risk. What's interesting is to prevent this risk, instead of trying to become the best guy, which is what some people do, they try to become the best option available, they're constantly pressuring themselves to be ever more impressive, what a lot of guys do is actually try to reduce the likelihood of the woman coming into contact with a better man. They become very possessive and controlling and restricting, limiting, so that they kind of win the competition by default. There's nobody to compete with. And lastly, you know, the the feeling of anger. There's a sense of unfairness that a lot of jealous people have. A deep resentful feeling. That no matter how good you are as a person, you're constantly at threat of losing everything. No matter how good of a boyfriend you are, you're constantly in threat of another guy stealing her away. And the funny thing is, I mean, essentially this is true. There is no such thing as a guaranteed relationship. There are definitely varying levels of loyalty, and you can get to a very, very high level of loyalty, but human beings are constantly changing. Their priorities constantly change. Their moods and their feelings constantly change. You can wake up one day and just no longer love someone, and there's no good reason for it. That is true. But some people get really angry about this truth. They think it's unfair. They think that they deserve better. And this feeds into the jealousy and turns it into a jealous rage. This idea that here is this partner of mine and she's proof that the universe doesn't appreciate me. She's constantly at risk of being taken away even though I've been a good little boy. And this anger feeds and kind of it compounds all the other issues. The paranoia and the possessiveness are compounded by how angry you are. The more angrier you are, the more kind of destructive your behavior gets. And some men even go all the way through to violence, where they'll hurt their woman because of how angry they are about the feelings of jealousy, even though she hasn't done anything. Okay. So this was just, up till now, we've just been exploring. What is jealousy? Why does it happen? What's behind it? And really the summary is you feel threatened that something's going to be taken away. And so you react defensively. You try to keep that thing. That's the simplest way to put it. The threat might be real. There might be someone actively trying to lure your partner away. Or more likely, in my experience, most of the time, the threat is imagined. Your partner's got no plans to go anywhere, but you've got some information in your head that makes it look like she's at flight risk. And you're reacting to that imagined threat, even though there is no real threat. Now, this is where the real problem with this occurs. The real tragedy with this kind of jealousy, particularly retroactive jealousy, jealousy about their past, is that the way you're responding is the threat. You are the threat. The most dangerous thing to your relationship is the way you're responding to jealousy. That is what's going to destroy the relationship. It's not some other guy. You're making it easy for the other guys. All right? You're driving her away with your possessive, paranoid behavior. Now, at first, when I tell guys about this, this actually kind of makes them worse. 
Because now they're going to be worried, but still do everything else the same. So they just go worry on top of that, like, holy shit, I'm making it worse. But it's just to help open the door so that you can understand that if you're the cause of this problem, then you're also the solution to it. It's going to be really hard for you to take responsibility for this, but ultimately, if you have a partner who is disloyal to you, you caused that. You either caused it by behaving in such a way that their previous loyalty was destroyed by you changing into a person they no longer want to be with, or you, in your insecurity, chose a person whose tendency is towards disloyalty. So you kind of went into a relationship, maybe unaware, but definitely asking to be cheated on. And that's what I generally see most likely is that the guys who come to me with this problem, they actually have a very loyal partner. And and the fact that she's putting up with this raging, irrational, very exhausting, jealous behavior is proof of how loyal she is. She tolerates this. She won't tolerate it forever, but she's tolerating it for now. Very rarely do I have someone coming to me and I listen to their story and think, you know what, actually, yeah, you've chosen a cheater. You're in trouble. Most of the time, these poor guys actually sabotage a perfectly good relationship and actually kind of ruin a really wonderful woman. And then the whole time they think it's her that did it, when really it was always them. So if you want this kind of jealousy to exit your life or at least to change into something you can enjoy and something you can manage, you have to take responsibility for it. She is not making you jealous. He is not making you jealous. You are doing this to yourself. You brought this into the relationship with you. It was there before this partner came along. It'll be there after they go unless you deal with it. You are the threat and that's how you need to respond. You need to manage yourself, not them. Okay? That's the way to reduce the risk to its minimal possible level. Everybody is at risk of being disloyal, but you increase the risk dramatically with jealous, resentful behavior. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you guys haven't heard that term before, it's one of the first things I learned in psychology. And essentially what it is, is if you believe something very strongly, you will behave as if it's true, and that kind of behavior essentially will make it come true. And this isn't some woo-woo spiritual thing. If, for example, I believe that tall people are nasty, right? Let's say I've got this tallism thing going. I will react to all tall people with hostility, fear, resentment. I will treat them as if they're already nasty. Now, not all of them will be, and most of them will just leave me alone, but occasionally I'll come into contact with a tall person who is nasty. And they will see this victim-like body language and behavior from me, and they will react with bullying and meanness. And I'll say, see, I told you. When really, the truth is that tall people are no nastier than anybody else. It's not a even a correlative factor. Your, your nastiness and your height have nothing to do with each other. But if I'm like that around someone who's tall and nasty, I'm going to bring out the worst in them. This creates confirmation bias. I'm now seeing evidence that what I thought was true is true, and I'm believing my narrative. Now, this is what happens with jealousy. 
you're worried, suspicious that your partner is going to cheat. And in doing so, you behave in such a way that makes it far more likely to happen. You basically drive them into the arms of someone else. You're exhausting to be around. You're no longer the person they thought you were. They want relief. They just want to get away from you. You're constantly accusing them even though they haven't done anything yet. And eventually they go, well, fuck it. If I'm going to do the time, I might as well do the crime. I don't like him or her anymore anyway. I really need some love. I need somebody who likes me for who I am and isn't accusing me and suspicious all the time and needy all the time. I'll find someone else. And then they go and do what you were worried they were going to do. And then you blame it on them. Even though they fought to stay with you for months, maybe years, before they finally succumb to the huge amount of push that you're putting on them to find somebody else. So you got to understand, if you've been a raging, jealous person for months, and then your partner cheats on you, the most likely explanation is they never were going to, but you drove them to do it. Okay. Now, of course, anybody who cheats has to take responsibility for that. But it's like if I go around pushing people and someone punches me in the face, I have to take responsibility for the pushing. I'm far less likely to get punched in the face if I don't go around causing shit. I'm asking for trouble. And when you're being extremely jealous, possessive, controlling, suspicious and paranoid in your relationship, you're asking to be cheated on. You've increased the likelihood by many factors. So there's a few beliefs that you need to examine and change if you want to have healthy relationships and if you want to be able to experience jealousy without it being a threat to the relationship. Now, I want to say that last part again. This podcast is not about getting rid of jealousy. It's about changing it so it's no longer a threat to the relationship. I want to plant a seed in your mind right now. Jealousy can actually be good for a relationship. Probably not the kind of jealousy you've been engaging in, but a different type. But beliefs need to change. I identified six beliefs I think really need to change the most for someone to become healthy in their relationships when they have a problem with jealousy. Belief number one is belief in ownership. Ultimately what drives jealousy is the idea that you have something that can be taken away. You have it. You say it's my partner. right? As if they are a piece of property. That objectification of your partner, this possessiveness, creates the illusion that you have something that can be lost, and yet you've never had your partner. It doesn't matter what they, commitments they've made, doesn't matter if they've got a ring on their finger, doesn't matter if they say, I am your boyfriend or I am your girlfriend, you don't own them. They are not slaves. Any second of any day, they're allowed to leave you, and there's nothing, nothing you can do to control them and stop them from doing that. I mean, of course, you can be a manipulative bastard, but that'll come back to bite you in the end, and it doesn't work long term. But if you understand that your partner chooses to be with you every day, and it's always their choice, he or she never has to stay, they always choose to, you'll start to realize how lucky you are. You've never kept them. You've never done anything to have them. You never own them, and yet they stay. They stay by choice. You're so worried about them leaving without realizing that every single hour that you've been together, they could have left and they didn't. And you're questioning their loyalty? 
Belief number two, which is related to this first one, is belief in scarcity. People are very unlikely to be jealous when they know that there are millions of people that they could be with if this one doesn't work out. Or, even better, they know that they don't need anyone. So if this partner doesn't work out, they'll be fine on their own. Ultimately, when I dig beneath the surface with jealous people, I found huge fears of abandonment, fears of loneliness. This belief that being by yourself and not being able to get another partner is a bad thing. Yet if you change that, if you believe that either the world is abundant, that there is always someone else if this one doesn't work out, or you believe, look, if I'm alone for the rest of my life, I can still have an amazing life, it's fine. You won't be so worried about whether or not your partner wants to stay with you, and therefore you won't be so jealous. The third belief specific to sexual jealousy, the belief that sexual skill is important in a relationship, that sexual satisfaction is a make or break factor. It's funny because all you have to do is go around asking a little bit, especially asking women to be honest about their male partners, and you'll find that there are a lot of women who are loyal to guys who are terrible in bed. In fact, it's very rare for a guy to be great in bed, very incredibly rare for a woman to regularly have orgasms and enjoy sex with her partner. It's less likely than it is more likely, and yet most of them stay. I mean, when I first saw counter-evidence of this, when, uh, I won't say who they are, of course, but I had this two friends who hooked up with each other, and the guy could never last more than 30 seconds in bed, ever. He just had this hair-trigger orgasm thing. And they were together for six years, and she never cheated. I mean, she could have had anyone. She was what you might call a very desirable woman. But his performance in bed was obviously of no real relevance to her decision to be with him. And yet so many, especially men, so many men believe that how good they are in bed will determine how loyal their partner is. And most of these guys don't realize that they've always been kind of crappy in bed. And yet their women have stayed anyway. Of course, this is compounded if you've ever had a woman leave you and say it's because of the way you were in bed. Guys can be devastated by someone saying that, but just because it was true for her, if it even was, she maybe just said that to hurt you, but even if it was, I assure you it is not true for most women. And of course, the other way around goes without saying, most guys are satisfied with almost any type of sex. You'd have to be incredibly boring in bed for a guy to say, that a girl is bad in bed. There is some truth, I would say, to women being concerned about their partner wanting to cheat if there is no sex. A guy is far more likely to cheat when there's no sex in a relationship, where in my experience, a woman's more likely to cheat if there's no emotional connection in a relationship. That's a very big generalization. There are plenty of exceptions, but the key point I'm trying to get across is the idea that your abilities in bed are somehow relevant. It's only true if the person you're with is very superficial and doesn't like anything about you, in which case it would be great if that relationship ended because it's a waste of your time. If you're in a great emotionally connected relationship, you can suck in bed and it won't be a major problem, as long as you're always being kind and loving each, towards each other. The fourth major kind of destructive belief is the one about hypergamy. This idea that grass is greener and that people are always looking to upgrade, always looking for a better deal. 
The trouble with this belief, of course, is that you are never going to be number one. You will always find someone who's a threat when you believe in hypergamy. There will always be a guy who makes more money than you. There'll always be a guy who looks better than you. You know, there'll always be a girl who's skinnier with you and has perkier boobs. There'll always be someone who's more socially confident and popular. So you'll constantly be at threat for the rest of your life. And the funny thing is, a lot of guys who believe in hypergamy have this conflicting other belief. On one hand, they believe women can have a massive abundance in sexual options, like a, basically a woman can shag whoever she wants, compared to a guy who has this very limited range of options. And yet they also believe that a woman will trade up any chance she gets. But if both of those beliefs are true, if women can basically shag anyone they want and they're always looking to trade up, then no relationship would last more than a couple of weeks. Because women are constantly being exposed to potentially better options. So if women were really that disloyal and that superficial, we wouldn't have marriages that last for years. We wouldn't have anyone together long enough to have kids. Because they would always be coming into contact, especially if they lived in a city or something. You know, they'd always be coming into contact with a potential better shag. Yet the truth is, women are in fact coming into contact with guys who have certain qualities that are attractive to them. And yet they regularly say no. In fact, men are far less able to say no to opportunities sexually than women are. Because men are very rarely offered them compared to the frequency in which most women are offered them. You take your average woman, you chuck a bit of makeup on her and you throw her in a nightclub, she's going to have dozens of offers, essentially. You take the average guy, same story, and he'll probably have none. So he's far more desperate and far more likely to say yes to whatever throws itself at him. Whereas a woman's used to saying no, she's used to having a plethora of options and being able to resist the urge. So it's really bizarre belief to think that all women are hypergamous and constantly looking for an upgrade. Like I said, what I found to be far more likely to be true is that if you do not connect emotionally, if you are possessive and controlling and distant, then she's going to be looking for a better deal. But the better deal is not superficial. She's looking for a better emotional deal. There are very few men in my experience of thousands of coaching sessions I've done, thousands of people whose lives I've deeply explored. The guys who provide a rich, meaningful, and honest emotional experience for their woman don't have to worry about cheating, even if the guy sucks in bed. I've even known guys who have physical conditions that means they are incapable of sex and their woman is still loyal to them because of how awesome it is to be their girlfriend. The fifth belief I think is really destructive is the idea that relationships could be eternal. It's like, I've just got to hold on to her long enough that it's locked in. Without realizing, hey, your relationship's definitely going to end. You know that, right? You know that no matter what kind of relationship you're in right now, it is definitely going to end. As I like to say, the best way it can end is that one of you dies first. But it's going to end. So the belief that you can somehow keep someone forever is the most ridiculous. It's like believing that you can live forever. It's that ridiculous. This person is going to leave you or you're going to leave them one way or another. It's going to happen. 
So the idea that you can prevent that happening is such a waste of energy and time. You could be using that energy and time to appreciate it while it happens, knowing that it's going to end, rather than missing out on it happening because you're trying to prevent it from ending. And number six, and I think this is a big one, especially for getting started, the belief that jealousy is shameful and it's something you must hide, that you have a problem. It might sound counterintuitive for me to say this now. It sounds like I've been ragging on jealousy this whole time. But I haven't. I've been ragging on your reaction to jealousy. Jealousy as an emotional sensation is fine. Everybody gets it. In fact, I'd say if you're in a relationship and you never felt any jealousy around your partner, maybe you don't actually care about them that much. You really love someone, you really want to be with them, then you will occasionally feel threatened by external forces breaking you up. It might not even be the threat of another partner. I, for example, when I was first uh, with my now wife, and we were long distance for a little while, I was really worried that her family was going to pull her away from me. I was jealous of her family. Now, I, I wasn't concerned that some other guy was going to steal her away. I was concerned that people with different agendas were going to convince her that not being with me was a good idea. And that's just because I really wanted to be with her. You know, I wasn't concerned about her loyalty. I was concerned about, hey, I've found someone awesome, but this external force might fuck it up for us, even though we're good together. That's just normal jealousy, and that's fine. This is actually can be very good for a relationship, which we'll explore in a second. But if you hide jealousy, if you think it's shameful and wrong, and that you're weak, and that you're going to be judged for having it, then you are going to act in a really kind of harmful way in reaction to it, rather than being open and honest and doing what's healthy. I want to put this in your mind. If you're confident, you're giving, you're loving, you let go of control, you respect yourself and others, then you're as attractive as you can be. If your partner leaves you while you're like that, then you never had a chance, and it's good that the relationship ended. But if you're not being like that, then you can't blame them for leaving you, okay? Because you're not being the best partner that you could be. Now obviously you can't just switch on a light in your head and just overnight become confident and giving and loving and all that. But you can work towards it, and every step closer to it makes you more attractive and makes people more loyal to you. And you don't even have to try to control them. They'll choose to be more loyal to you because you're a great person. So you've been trying to fill a hole inside yourself by controlling your partner, by controlling their love. But he or she can't fill that hole, no matter how much they love you, because they never created the hole. It was there before you met them. It's probably been there since childhood, when, you know, your first time your parents neglected you or... You were ostracized at school or whatever it was that made you scared of people being taken away from you. You can't fill that hole with something from the outside. You can't fill it with somebody else's love. You're going to have to do that work yourself. So you have to reset your goal from making her loyal or removing the threat or trying not to feel this way to loving who you are without needing external validation. Because if you are a confident, giving, loving person who loves himself or herself, then you won't even worry about someone leaving you. You might get little flares of jealousy, but it won't be possessive or paranoid. It will just be a recognition of how much you want to be with someone. That's all. 
If you're okay with being on your own, if you're okay with nobody staying with you, really okay with it, not like men going their own way, fuck everybody okay with it, but like, hey, if I'm the only one to love myself, then so be it, I'll do that job okay with it, then jealousy is not going to be a huge issue for you. So that needs to be the goal. Confidence building, not relationship keeping. So let's move on to how to do it. First and foremost, I think the most difficult bit is you need to be honest with your partner about all of it, even if it destroys a relationship. Now, the problem is when guys I work with first try to do this, they often kind of do it wrong, which is they're honest about it, but they speak in a very accusatory, blaming way, a kind of you make me jealous because you do this kind of a way. You need to take responsibility for it before you start talking about it. Okay, you need to be careful with your language. She is not making you jealous. You brought this into the relationship yourself. This has been with you since day one. You have to talk about it as such. Saying things like, I've noticed that I've become jealous lately, or I notice that I want to keep you all to myself and I'm struggling, or I notice that like since we talked about your sexual history, it's been playing on my mind a lot because I have this kind of obsessive thing when it comes to jealousy. You need to be fully in ownership of your jealousy and speak about it as such. Now, if they don't want to talk about it or they punish you for it, well, so be it. Because it doesn't really matter. And why I say that is if they're going to leave you for just trying to talk about this, then your relationship was already incredibly fragile and it was kind of already over in everything but name. If you're with a good fit partner, they will want to talk about this. They will talk about their feelings about it. They'll want to solve it with you. They won't run away from it and avoid it. Now, maybe they've got insecurities that make this difficult for them to talk about. But you need to insist on talking about it. You say, look, we'll take our time and we won't go faster than you need to. But if we don't talk about this thing, it's going to toxify and wreck our relationship. And it doesn't have to, as long as we can bring it out into the open and talk about it. And really just insist that this gets discussed because if it doesn't, it's going to eat you from the inside, in which case you lose either way. I'll plant a seed with you. This is actually a piece of work that happens later, but you can make jealousy playful instead of deadly serious. You can start seeing it as a compliment to her rather than a resentment of her. It's amazing how how much tone makes a difference. You can be like, Oh my god, I'm so obsessed with your past history with guys, it's so disgusting, I'm really jealous. Or you can be like, you know what, every time I think about your past I get so jealous, I'm so lucky I've got you because all those other guys could have had you and they missed out. Very different. Or to say, you know, when we were out the other night I got a little bit jealous. I saw that guy talking to you and I thought, damn, get away from my woman. She'll like to hear stuff like that. Okay, that's a lot better than, hey, let me see your phone, I want to see if that bastard texts you. How you express your jealousy can be playful and a compliment, which will take the edge off and help you heal and process it. Or you can treat it like some deadly disease that you're suffering that she gave you. And, you know, you can talk about it like it's the worst thing in the world rather than what it really is, which is completely human and normal. You got to start by asking yourself this question. How can I learn to feel secure even if I lose my partner's love? Or even if I lose the love of everyone else. If everyone else really can be taken away because I never possess them in the first place, 
how do I build confidence in that reality? How do I build confidence that's independent of love and approval and relationship security? And the answer to that is very simply learning to impress yourself. Valued living, integrity, the stuff we talk about in Brojo all the time, the stuff that we've got dozens of courses on at this point, the stuff that we can coach you on if you need it. How do you live in a way where you're so impressed by yourself that you're no longer concerned whether or not someone else stays with you? It's also about changing your frame around your partner instead of wishing that they will stay with you no matter how much it costs them. Wish the best for them. What if the best for them is to not be with you? Can you give them that gift? If they would do better leaving you, are you okay with that? Can you become okay with it? Do you really love them? Is it unconditional love where you want them to have a good life no matter what that means, even if it means not being with you? Because if it doesn't mean that, then you don't love them unconditionally and you've got work to do. You should also practice socializing outside of your relationship, and I don't mean hiding or cheating, but just learning to create new friendships, often, regularly, whenever you please, to teach yourself abundance, to show yourself, hey, you know what, if I was to get divorced, I would rebuild my life, I can still do it. I see this especially with men, women not so much, but men, they get into a deep relationship and they just cut contact with anybody else. And then when they get divorced 20 years later, they're like, oh, I don't even know how to talk to people. Well, no wonder. You're going to be a bit rusty. If you've been building and maintaining new friendships that entire time, this would be a much easier transition for you. And you'd be less afraid of it, which means you probably wouldn't have done sabotaging behaviors that ended the relationship. Instead of trying to take from your partner or keep your partner, try to give to them. I always say the solution to neediness is giving. Give what you want to get. Rather than trying to get it, give it to somebody else. You want her validation and approval? Give her validation and approval instead. You want her to love you? Give her love. Keep giving all those things that you're scared about losing. And you'll realize that in giving them, you have them. You don't need someone else to love you to feel loved. You need to love someone else to feel love. It's actually in your power all the time. You can use jealousy as like a trigger. Every time you feel jealous, do something nice for them. And not to keep them, but to redirect that energy into something positive. It doesn't even have to be for them. You can do something nice for somebody else. For your kids, for a total stranger. It doesn't matter. But redirect jealousy. Make jealousy a trigger for good behavior. And then it won't be such a big deal to you anymore. You'll see it as something helpful rather than something deadly. I recommend exposure therapy. Do something where you're going to have to face your jealousy, but in a controlled, measured way. You know, that's what I love about partner dancing. Things like salsa, zouk, bachata, those Latin styles, Ciroc. What you can do is go partner dancing and you swap partners. So let her have enjoyable experiences in an intimate setting with other men. It doesn't necessarily mean you have to cuckold him. Let her have sex with other people in front of you. That's not what this is about. But about just releasing control. Let her enjoy life without you being the sole source of that pleasure. And be happy for her. It's something I had to work on myself. But I love it when my 
girl goes and gets a dance with like a top professional and she comes back and she's all flushed you know and she's obviously kind of loved it and she just had the best dance ever i'm like good she's having a good life why would i not want that for her it'd be crazy to want to deny her that she came back to me so what's the threat she can go out have a good time she comes back to me i remember actually a woman talking about uh, her boyfriend going to a strip club you know, he was going for a stag do or something like that, and she was one of the only girlfriends that wasn't all jealous and controlling about it. And she said, I don't care where he gets his appetite as long as he comes home to eat. And I thought, well, that's actually would be quite a literal thing to say, but I loved it. I'm like, that's such a great attitude to have. She can, she can leave the arousal process to somebody else. It eases her burden. As long as he's loyal, no problem. People can go get their pleasure somewhere else as long as they bring it back home with them. And you've got to start seeing that for what it is. You want to have a great partner to be with. She's got to have a great life. He or she has got to enjoy that life and then they'll bring that enjoyment home to you. If they're with you all the time and you're a misery guts, like dwelling in jealousy, they've, they've got no enjoyment to bring to the relationship. They've just got what you're giving them. Possessiveness just means you're going to get back your own misery. If you let them go into the world and bring new things back, you both have a better relationship. Now, you're allowed to have boundaries. There can be a no sex with other people rule. No kissing on the lips or no whatever it is that you don't want to share. That's fine. You're not, you don't have to share everything. The clearer the line, the less likely it is to be crossed. But they have to be able to go up to that line then. They have to be able to do everything that's within the zone of permission. And you should actually look forward to them doing it in a sense that they're going to bring that back with them. You know, my girlfriend goes and dances, my wife goes and dances with other people, she's going to bring new dancing ability back to me to dance with. Whereas I've had people before who only danced with me and they kind of just became stale. They won't bring anything new in. And last and I think most importantly, practicing gratitude. Understanding you are going to lose your partner. You don't know when, but it will happen, and it will almost certainly happen sooner than you want it to. So you say to yourself, well, she's with me now. Even though she has the free choice to leave at any point, she could leave any second, she's choosing to be with me yet again today. So I've got to make the most of it. So every time you're jealous, just take that as recognition, like, fuck, she's still with me. He's still with me. Could have left me any second. There are no... Locks on our doors that they can't get through. That you know they're not chained to the bed. They're free to leave any second, and they don't. They choose to stay. How lucky am I? Well, I better make the most of today. I could spend today demanding to go through their emails and raging at them jealously, or I could be like, "Holy shit, this might be our last day together. Let's go have a picnic and make the most of it." Redirect that energy. It's okay to be jealous. It's not okay to be possessive and controlling and paranoid. Hopefully that'll help you. Get in touch, dan at brojo.org, if you want help with jealousy or with your relationship. Or just to let me know your story. How have you had to deal with this and how well is that going? And I'll see you guys next time. Cheers. Cheers.